0: So I had um, recently had the opportunity to watch a couple different documentaries on some like excellent athletes. There's there's the Last Dance documentary, right? About uh, Michael Jordan and the and the Bulls. Um, but there's also one I saw, I don't know, gosh, I don't know how many years ago. It might have been like two years ago. It was on a bunch of like excellent, incredible athletes. Wayne Gretzky was one of them. And I'm not a super big uh, basketball fan, not a big super hockey fan, um, but it just, I, the excellence thing is the thing that just like so, fascinate, so fascinates me. Um, Like you have Jordan, you have Gretzky, and these people who were above and beyond virtually everybody else who was competing in those those sports, and they bring to the question like what is it that makes a person that great? What makes a person that excellent? Um, And it could just be talent. It could be hard work. It could be a lot of things. But there's a writer I came across recently and and he has said this. He said, um, what often looks like a talent gap, when we look at those people who are incredibly uh, excellent, he says, what often looks like a talent gap is often a focus gap. He says you can take an average or what makes an average or above average athlete or performer incredible is that they're able to eliminate distractions. And so he said, um, the talent actually is staying focused. So it looks like a talent gap is actually a focus gap. The talent is staying focused. That these people, you know, Gretzky out on the ice and Michael Jordan in the court, they could take it all in, they could see it all, but they could then focus on what needed to be focused on rather than being distracted by all the (laughs) distractions, I guess. Um, And when it comes to excellent people, I like to focus. Okay, I think Peter is an excellent person. I think St. Peter often gets a bad rap because we're always like, Oh, Peter, yeah, that chucklehead, you know. He's the one who always puts his foot in his mouth and he's the one who's too eager. He says what he shouldn't say, um, that he betrays Jesus. That's kind of a bad one. Um, Today he sinks. Like, we focus on all these bad things about Peter. Like again, this knucklehead, chucklehead, one of the two. Um, But I don't think we should miss this. Let's not miss this part. Um, This whole section of the Gospel begins with every one of the disciples, including Peter, acting in faith. Like the story we just heard, proclaimed a second ago, begins with every one of the disciples, including Peter, acting in faith. Because why are, all, why are all of the disciples, why is Peter out in a boat in the middle of the night in a storm on the sea? They're there because Jesus told them to be there. Like That's, that's the only reason why any of those men would have gotten into a boat and gone out at night into a storm on the Sea of Galilee. Because it says that He made them get into the boat and precede him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. So we have to understand this. Faith got Peter into the boat long before faith got Peter out of the boat. That's so important for us to really wrap our minds around. Faith got Peter into the boat before faith got Peter out of the boat. Because I think for this, I think it looks like this. For most of us, the bulk of our lives look like that. For most of us, the the bulk of our following after Christ looks like this. It looks like... Here we are, in a boat, in a storm, in the dark because Jesus would have us be there. That, 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 a lot of us, I think, are sitting in a boat right now. In a storm, in the dark, in your vocation, in your discipleship, and you're following the Lord for one reason. Because Jesus would have you be there. But I think a lot of us, maybe, I don't know if this is you, but we're sitting in the boat right now, and we're ready to get out. Not ready to like walk on water, but ready to abandon ship. And that, again, just like stop for the moment, if that's you. If you're in that place right now where it's like, yeah, that's, that's, how, that's how I feel. I'm in the boat because Jesus told me to be here, but it's all dark, and it's stormy, and I hate it, and I want to jump ship. I have to ask the question that Jesus asked Peter, and the question he asked him was, why? Like, why do you want to get out? Why do you want to stop? Because um, that's the question Jesus asks Peter. Now, of course, Peter is out of the boat, right? Um, and he's walking on water. He's doing something extraordinary. At least, yeah, he was just before this, a moment before this. But Jesus asks Peter the question. He says, Why did you doubt? And he asks us sitting in the boat the same question. You're in a boat, in the dark, in a storm. Why, why do you doubt? Because I think the real question Jesus is asking Peter and he's asking us is, why did you stop? Here's Peter walking on the water. He's doing something incredible. He's, he's doing—he's he's sharing in a miracle with Jesus. But then he sinks. And why? Because he stops. The question that Jesus could be asking Peter is, Why did you stop? Now, I guess it clearly says that he doubted and he asked the question, Why did you doubt? But the outward manifestation of doubt is that Peter stopped. That faith moved Peter to walk and doubt caused Peter to stop walking. And faith is what moved you and I to get into the boat. And doubt is what often causes us to stop being in the boat. So, Jesus asked the question, Peter, why'd you stop? And I think Peter could give Jesus any number of answers. He could be like, "Um, Well, <laughs> first off, what, how, which, what do I choose? Number one, um, I'm exhausted. I have It's four in the morning right now. I have been up since yesterday morning because you wanted us to get away from all the crowds, but no, when they showed up, you had to, you had to heal them, you had to teach them, you had to feed 5,000 people. We had to be all the, the waiters and take care of all these things. We didn't get to sleep. I wanted to camp out right on, this, on the shore of Sea of Galilee. You told us to get into the boat. And in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm, I'm a fisherman, I knew the storm was coming. And then also, I'm kind of scared right now. And also because you made me walk on water, my sandals are all wet. That's why I stopped. Like, he could have all these reasons. Peter could have given Jesus any number of reasons why he stopped. And I think, you know, when we find ourselves in this position where the Lord has called us into a boat, into the storm, in the dark, we can have a lot of reasons why we, why we want to stop. You find yourself in your vocation. Maybe you're married. And I just want to stop. Why? Well, because we're different people now. Because um, we've grown apart. This is not the person that I married. They don't listen to me. They don't care about me. They don't love me. They they don't respect me. There are all these reasons why I just want to stop when it comes to my, my, my marriage, or maybe even priester like someone's in their vocation say and they just want to stop and you're like well why well because they could say well I didn't get ordained a priest to be an administrator of five parishes in you know rural nowhere'sville, I could say something like you know I, I keep giving keep giving keep serving and no one responds so I'm just gonna stop. Or even just Catholics, just the average Catholic. Like, I just want to stop. I don't, I don't want to be Catholic anymore. I want to stop this. Why? Because the church is too broken. The church is too backwards. The church is too much out of touch. The church is too political. The church is not political enough. Like, I just, and I'm done. I just want to stop. These are all the reasons why I want to stop. Or, maybe as your life as a disciple, just like, no, I'm, I'm tired of following Jesus. I want to stop. And you say, why do you want to stop? No, because I don't feel it. Because I'm afraid, I don't know. It's too hard. Maybe I look at myself, and I'm just too weak. So I just I, I want to stop. I did I did a wedding for some friends a couple weeks ago, and one of the things I tried to share with them is is the 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 power of that day, like the beauty of that day, is so it's so important. Um, but also, it's just the beginning, right? It's just the beginning of a long walk, and so it's what I tried to communicate to them is, it's one thing to love. It's another thing to keep on loving. That it's one thing to make a promise. It's another thing to keep a promise. For us as followers of Christ, it's one thing to pray. It's another thing to keep on praying. Um, and all Catholics, it's, it's one thing to walk in faith. It's another thing to keep on walking in faith. So Jesus asks, Peter, why did you stop? Because you gave me a bunch of reasons. I don't think any one of them are the the reason. Because the reason why Peter stopped is the exact same reason why we want to stop. And it's not dramatic, and it's not glamorous, and it's not complicated. It is too simple, and it's too obvious, and it's too prevalent in our lives. The answer is, why did you stop? Because I got distracted. Why did Peter stop? He stopped because he got distracted. Up to this moment, he's walking on water. He is only one other person in history has done what Peter is doing and he's right in front of him. His name is Jesus and he's also the only Son of God. And they're both walking on water. He's doing something amazing. And then what happens? Then he gets distracted. Scripture says, But then he saw the strength of the wind. He's got distracted by this. He saw how strong the wind was and he became afraid. And then he doubted, and then he stopped, and then he sank. And I think that is so for so many of us, if we're like, I just want to stop, it's why? because I've been distracted. I've been and Distraction steals our focus, and the distraction can steal our lives. Or distraction, what is what is tra- distraction? Here's the little definition. I think a distraction is anything that takes our focus away from where it needs to be at any given moment. Our, fo- our, our, our distraction is anything, can be anything, that takes our focus away from where it needs to be at any given moment. So we obviously we have like the minor distractions of like the media and social media and entertainment and, and other people's business. That just is, it distracts me. But there's also these deadly distractions that we have in our lives, whether we created them or whether they're just there. The deadly distractions of like, I don't know, like the strength of the wind when you're walking on the water. The fact that we live in a really dangerous world is a, Deadly distraction. I can, I can take my eyes off of the Lord and start focusing on, my gosh, there's not only this one virus, there's a bunch of things out there that can kill me. That there's not just the loss of this person, there's loss of everybody. Like there is so much real suffering in this world that if we focus on that, if we let that steal our focus, if we let that distraction steal our focus, then we can let it steal our lives. Pain. I mean, whether it be your pain or someone else's pain, pain of someone you love. These are real things. These are deadly distractions. Poverty. Debt. These external deadly distractions. There's also internal deadly distractions. The internal ones that take our eyes off of Jesus, as well. Like, um, I know so many people who they'll focus on their own weakness. That's, that's, that's the, that their sole preoccupation. Or focus on their own sin, or on their own sickness, or on their own brokenness. In fact, I know some people can become so preoccupied with how much of a sinner they are that they've forgotten they have a Savior. So many people who can be so distracted by their wounds, by their weaknesses, by their sins, that their whole, like, life of discipleship is more about their brokenness and more about lamenting their weakness than it is about having a relationship with Jesus. I'm taking my eyes off of him. I'm just looking at my own sin and my own failures. And that can be a distraction. Yes, obviously, Caveat: We do have to acknowledge our own sins. We should do examinations of conscience, right? If there's something we can do, like about a debt or about suffering, we should do something about this. But again, this is kind of a caveat moment. But I think that sometimes we get distractions wrong. I think that sometimes um, what I think could simply be a distraction is actually where I need to focus my attention. Just, I know this is off the rail, but just a little side, a little side journey. We'll take a little side journey. Um, for example, so okay, sometimes what I think that's a distraction, might actually be where I need to focus my attention. As an example, in the Gospel today and last week. Last week, it said that Jesus, um, was when he heard the death of John the Baptist, he went off by himself with his disciples so he could pray. So his intention was to pray, but then when he got to the place of prayer, he was distracted by the people and their needs. And he could have said, like, no, 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 my plan for the day, my plan for this is a long weekend for me and my buddies, we're going to go pray. He said, no, That this distraction, this interruption, is what I, where I need to refocus my attention. see what happens though. After they left, he goes back to the original intention. After they left, he goes up by the mountain by himself, on the mountain by himself, to pray. Because again, this cl- clear, we have to understand this. Sometimes the work of the moment is not what we had thought it would be. Sometimes the work of the moment is not what we wanted it to be. Sometimes the work of the moment is something other than we had planned on. How do I know what to do then? I see, simply ask two questions. One question is, um, can I do something about this? This is, is, is the thing. Is this thing a distraction? Is it merely interruption, or should I be st- still focused on it? Should I change my focus? Is this something I can do something about? And second question is, is now the right time? If it's not, then it's simply a distraction, and it's simply going to steal my attention. It's going to steal my life. It's going to steal my focus. Um, I, I. Speaking of marriage, um, a bunch of years ago, I did a wedding of this couple. They're just awesome. Their names are Michael and Lisa, and they are phenomenal. Um, And I did their wedding in May, and I think it was August, It's like four months later, I did another wedding and they were invited, they were guests there. And at the wedding, I was talking about something like, you know, keep your marriage at the center of your life, at the center of your following Christ and all this stuff. And they came up to me afterwards and they said, oh my gosh, they said, Father, we needed to be at this wedding even more than we needed to be at our own wedding. Be- they needed to be at their own wedding, actually. But um, they said, because it's only been four months and we realized, we were talking about this right after the wedding mass, we've already moved on. Like, we've already moved on to the next thing. Like, it was okay. We're married. Take care of that. Good. Now we'll just be married and now work and now career and now this and now this and this. And they said they were already ready within four months to move on to the next thing rather than to keep their relationship the main thing. And they had let the next thing become the distraction from the main thing. You know, it's... it's Peter, he is an excellent human being. He is not not perfect, but... He can be taught, which is better than most of us, I think, because in 2 Peter, he says something so powerfully. in 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 19. He says that, he recounts the fact that he and James and John saw Jesus transfigured on the mountain. Like he said, this is not a myth, that we actually saw this with our own eyes, um, that Jesus revealed himself as God, as the beloved Son of the Father. And then he says, you would do well to be attentive to this, as to a lamp in a dark place. Another way to say it is he's saying, you would do well to focus on this. You would do well to to fix your focus on this truth, on him. This truth that Jesus is the beloved Son of God as in a lamp in a dark place. When you're in a storm, when you're in the sea, when you're in the darkness, fix your gaze on this because Peter knew he had focused on the strength of the wind and the waves, and he forgot the one who can ride the wind and treads upon the waves. He focused on how strong the wind was, and he forgot how strong his Savior is. I can sometimes be focused on how broken I am and forget that Jesus is the one who has come to heal brokenness. This is the last thing. For Peter, it's so simple. All the reasons. Why did you stop? All these reasons. No, they weren't. None of those other reasons were the reason. The reason was I got distracted. So what happens is he begins to sink. And what does he do? He looks back to Jesus. And he realized the moment the instant he turned back to Jesus, Jesus was there. And this is true for you, it is true for me. When we get distracted and we think, I just, I've screwed everything up. The instant he turned back to Jesus, all Peter does is just returns his gaze and gives his focus, gives his attention, not to the distraction, but to Christ. And he says three words. He just says, Lord, save me. And the next line, next word that Matthew writes is immediately. Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. The winds were strong, but the hand of his Savior was strong enough to rise above the waves. So in your storm, in your boat, in your walk, in the midst of distractions, Jesus is there. Well, it looks like a talent gap Is often a focus gap. Looks like the difference between the greatest sinner and the greatest saint is a focus gap. And I think this author had it right. I think the talent is staying focused and not to stop.